0: Got questions? We got something. <laughs> I think saying answers is going a little too far, but we are going to try to look at all the questions and all that. Uh, today, my name is Curtis Childs. I'm the host, and the panel is here. This is Cardone, Latin consultant for the new century edition translation of Emanuel Swedenborg's works. Uh, if we pan to our wide shot, you'll notice that there are more people in in the area. Uh, we have Dr. Jonathan Rose, who is series editor of that same New Century Edition of which I was just speaking. And then we have Chelsea Odner, who is from that Swedenborg Foundation of which I was also just speaking. So we have a very diverse panel organization-wise. Um, so <laughs> thanks, you, thanks, you guys for coming. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, it's great to, this, for me to get to hear what you guys say in addition to hearing the questions. There's just a lot of good information coming in. Hopefully everyone has that experience. Um, And I'm glad to have you all here. This is kind of a special episode here today because this is our last uh, shoot in this building. Uh, This, I don't know if you guys are are aware of this, but this room, this is our office that, you know, I've been working in this building for like eight years uh, in different capacities, but Swedenborg Foundation has been doing stuff out of here for a long time. And now we're upgrading to our bigger, better space, and we'll talk about it later, but this is a good conclusion here, so thanks everyone for being Mm -hmm. here. Okay, so how how was that for a good monologue before I let anybody talk? (laughs) Awesome. Okay, all right, cool. Um, Now I won't talk for the rest of the time except to read the questions. Let's get right to it. First question is from Mark. uh, While alive, should we focus on bodily pleasures and materialism which we can't get? on the other side and before i give the answer there's an easy definitive answer to that um i want to say everyone who's watching live right now get your questions in these are not uh we're not just pulling these out we're getting these live um, okay so what do you guys think i mean we're here look at we, we got some time left um do we need to just like r- get at it and, and go get ours uh <laughs> and if if so why if not why
1: uh, <clears throat> the answer that comes to my mind is that um There's uh, something uh, that's the suggestion in the question is that there are bodily pleasures and materialism that we can get here that we can't get on the other side. The fact is everything on the smorgasbord is available there and more. (laughs) And that's partly because we're spirits clothed with flesh while we're here. And so it's our spirits that are enjoying fleshly pleasures while we're here anyway. And all that stuff is still with us. You just have a, a, you know, a purer body. You're even more sensitive in that other world. Your eyesight's better, your hearing's better, and so on. And so um, there's no pleasure that's available here that you can't get there. The danger, pleasure really, Swedenborg's system is not one that says that there's that pleasure is just bad you know it's not an ascetic type of deal where you are supposed to give up those things and just you know devote yourself to god and don't ever have fun or you know play cards or watch movies or things like that um you can have fun once a week once a week (laughs) whether you need to or not half an hour max and uh but the uh, um uh (laughs) sorry that was a real like train of thought no that, that, that was good but um, there are pleasures of two kinds Swedenborg talks about. There are some pleasures that feed the mind. You think of a pleasure that a child gets in learning and figuring stuff out. You know, there's pleasure that improves us. Mm-hmm. And there are other pleasures that just come from hell, you know, like an enjoyment of destruction or, you know, hurting people or things like, or animals right. or whatever that uh, come, comes from hell. And those are negative pleasures but a lot of it again is not the f- exact activity so much as what your heart is doing inside while right. you're doing it but in general uh you know encouraging the good side is a better way to situate yourself it, it's not a situation where you're gonna run out of that but actually the pleasures in heaven are more exquisite than the than the pleasures in hell mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's sort of the opposite uh, according to swedenborg it's like you know, you, where you really want to get your pleasures is on the other side. Because everything is is not only more vivid there, but it, it's a lot longer. You know, we're That's talking right. permanent <laughs> as opposed to, you know, it doesn't matter how great something was, if it's gone, it's gone. And, and it's a sort of a order of priorities too, right? Because he says, you know, these, these sort of sensory gratifications that you can get, they're fine, uh, you know, the, the ones that aren't harming people are okay as long as they're not the focus of your they're life. Focused. It's sort of hell is... I want to put my pleasures above the needs of other people, Right? you know, like if I want to eat a cookie, this is, this metaphor is not going to work. If I want to eat a cookie, <laughs> that's fine, but if somebody else really needs that cookie to live, they'll die if they don't have that cookie. Okay, so then it's bad for me to take that cookie. So anyway, yeah. okay. No, that, <laughs> was that was that, good.
2: I, I agree that the word focus in the question is interesting because... Uh, The way Swedenborg lays out the four sort of basic loves in the human heart, love of God, love of the neighbor, Mm -hmm. love of worldliness or materialism, and love of self, Um, they're fine if they're in the right order. But focusing on those lower two, uh, Swedenborg says, brings you, in the end, misery rather than pleasure.
0: See our video, the universal categories of love, if you want to break mm-hmm. down sort of those those and how why they should be prioritized, how they are. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts on it, Chelsea?
3: Well, I don't know if it's very useful, but... Um, just just do it. Yeah, I had you know. a... Uh, <laughs> this is our last chance in this room for <laughs> yeah. me to say <laughs> yeah. something too, that's not useful. <laughs> <we're>, yeah. um, <laughs> but I just had this thought today of like, there are places on the planet that I may never see while I'm alive in this world, and it just seemed weird to know of places mm. and have seen pictures of places, and I'll never get there. Yeah. And then I thought, like, is that? Or I guess I was actually thinking whether my daughter would think that was weird, who's very little, because she's growing up in such a sort of like, well, Grandma Grandpa just went to Africa, and can't we just go here? Like, why haven't you been to wherever? And, um, and that how so so many humans have lived on this planet and have not ever really been seen all the, Mm. you know, marvelous places that are around the world. They've maybe only been within so many miles of where they were born and lived their whole lives. But so it was making me think about Swedenborg and his spiritual experiences and just contemplating what that travel must be like in the other life of like, could I go see, you know, when I'm a spirit in the spiritual world, can you actually go and maybe see these places? Mm. Because he sometimes does talk about how, oh, if you're just thinking of, what is it? He maybe says Greece or India in your mind, you can just be there. Mm. And so are you actually getting to have a sense of like mm. witnessing these, you know, miraculous places that are on our planet, but yeah. in the spiritual world? Plus, I
0: want to go, um, you know, I think a lot about, as we all do, about the history of life on the, the, the right. sort of biotypes of mm. life on the, the planet. Like I think about Cretaceous period, The ferns and the dinosaurs and and all the when they discover some giant crocodile that used to live in this part of Africa. uh, What's it like to go there and see that and be that? I just have this feeling like it's all present. Like somehow those things aren't gone and I'm going to be able to interact with them. I don't know why. Uh, As they say (laughs) in Empire Records, I don't know where feelings come from. But... uh, (laughs) But hopefully, there's, it doesn't make any sense just to like, here, okay, I'm God and I'm going to give you temporary access to something that that you just can't ever you can't scratch that itch if you don't do it now. That just seems like right that that's what's the what's the love in that? So mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah. uh, it doesn't seem like it. The the okay. So the recap is the joy that you can get in, this, in the other world is is a lot more intense and tangible and real than what you even get here. So it's not like this is the only chance to live it up. And, you know, the more that we pursue the right stuff here, the more we live it up and live it up and live it up forever. So, something like that. All right, let's get to the next one. Mary, uh, when we dream, are these dreams our own personal visits into heaven or the other side? It's a great question. Um, I'm glad I don't have to be the first person to speak on these. But who does want to be the first person to speak on these? Dr. Jonathan Rose, (laughs) series editor of the new social media.
1: Thank you, Curtis. Uh, It's a very interesting question. Uh, The ancients um, wrote that there are two gates of dreams, a gate of ivory and a gate of horn. And the idea was that you have some dreams that are true and that are communicating something important to you, And some dreams that are fluff, you know, I mean, they're they're just, the ancients wouldn't have said this, but nowadays we would say it's your brain working things out or, you know, it's storing Mm -hmm. memories and things are going on in your brain or whatever. And uh, I find that very true in my own experience, like that at least, um, you know, that makes sense to me that some dreams seem really meaningful i'm learning something about myself or other people i'm even being chided for my behavior or I'm, you know i'm yep. seeing things in a different perspective and other ones just seem like what was that i don't know what was going on there yeah. i don't learn anything from that and so uh i i think the the good news is that it is possible to have our own personal visits into heaven sometimes I don't know how, how you guys feel. Sometimes I feel like I'm being trained or taught things. Just a little, you know, now and then it, it's showing me something, mm-hmm. preparing me or something like that. Uh, so I think dreams can be a, a neat way for an additional channel of communication into us in addition to what we get in our waking lives. Yep. But not every dream, I don't think, is doing all of that. One other thing I'll just mention is that Swedenborg says somewhere, I read somewhere not that long ago that Swedenborg says that uh, after we die, sometimes uh, the spirits with us will go over our dreams. They, they'll talk about, well, don't you mm-hmm. remember that dream you had? You know, and, and that'll be part of the data that they're using of your life, you know, like they're talking huh. about. Yeah, here's yeah. here's that dream, and this is why you had that. And that
0: that's cool. Out. Are there some dreams that have? I'm thinking right now. I had this dream. I think my mom was there. It was like we we're in this world that's like turquoise, and it was sort of like pools, like... um. Uh, like the tiling you'd see on the edge of pools, but it was like stretched on forever, off into mist, and there was these huge things jumping from pool to pool. Um, let's go back and revisit that. I mean, what, Sounds good. What was that? What did <laughs> yeah. that mean? Right. I'll, I'll mark my calendar. Okay, so all On right. the list. Yeah. So, okay, Chelsea.
3: Um, yes, and I just think, yeah, as I was thinking of another thing that Swedenborg mentions um, that when we are sometimes in very deep states of meditation. He says that our spirit can, like, appear to That's right. spirits and angels yeah. on the other side. So I sort of wonder if I kind of get the sense from my dreams that maybe this is a weird sort of analogy, but, like, angels are the ones holding the strings of, like, the different characters that are in my dream or the different scenarios somehow kind of, like, giving me this experience that is helpful and instructive or whatever. Like, that can sometimes be... A kind of dream I have, and then there could be a dream where it actually does feel like I'm going out of myself entirely, mm. into an entirely new place, mm. and having having an experience that is in, you know, the spiritual world or something. Um, but so it seems like, and so of course there are dreams like you were describing of the s- seemingly just functional whatever to our minds, but um, but that it might be that because when we are in a dreaming state. You know sort of the overall principles that swedenborg describes it like the more we sort of withdraw our senses from you know while we're awake and active we're very rooted in this physical world but then when we go to sleep our spirits are more um, sensitive i guess maybe to sort of spiritual information yeah Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely car do you have any dream thoughts no well i have i have uh, my standard response which is go see our episode where (laughs) dreams come from we also have a swedenborg minute of the same name and he does mention he does make reference to the nature of different dreams. He says that some dreams are instructive and prophetic, and these come from heaven. Some of them are uh, antagonistic and they're from hell, and uh, the others are fluff or, or like what uh, amount to little more than games or whatever he says. So it does seem like there is a very there are different qualities of dreams, and I think we see this in ours. That you can have some dreams that you wake up and uh, you're, that's like that's silly. I can tell that's superficial. And other times something is really real and really meaningful. You know, somebody died and you see them or something. Yeah, you, I mean you've got that's that's got to be heaven. Uh, so, so um, yeah.
3: I have a weird little like i don't even know if i want to call this advice but it feels like it's something i'm learning and i'm training myself to do which i find that sometimes when i have a really bad nightmare i think most of the times when we have nightmares we're just like all right that's straight from hell i'm not looking at that you know that was too terrifying and i have found the last few times that i've had nightmares and then i bring them back to my mind and i think about it they are sometimes the most potently on point Hmm. for me as far as like sort of spiritual instruction about my life. And in the moment it felt like no way is this is so foreign. It's so terrifying. I feel like I'm just going to be murdered or something. And then later in my fully consciousness, if I can remember the elements, I'm like, Oh, this is ridiculously true. You know, Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. so I I just think if you're afraid of your dreams, maybe give it, you know, don't just totally close the door on it and say, I'm never looking at that. Or I don't even want to remember that dream. Sometimes it's like, all right, get into a safe space or something. And, think about what that might
0: Mm. mean this is sort of related but you sometimes a lot of times you'll have a dream that is very frightening but when you describe it it doesn't sound very frightening right (laughs) like uh uh, then and then you could tell there was someone in the house but but there wasn't like it was scary when i had so i wonder what that is yes okay Um, so nobody knows yeah
1: i I think some of those things are just teaching you uh what it's like like spiritual the way Swedenborg describes the consciousness in the other world, you can tell where things are around you that you can't see with your physical eyes, or yeah. you can see what people are doing mm. who are far away. And sometimes I think you experience that in your dreams. You don't even reflect on it, but it's mm. just happening that you know or you know part of you is thinking there's someone in the house and then another part knows there wasn't anybody there or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right,
3: yeah. Right. yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So those are some good thoughts on dreams. Again, see our episode where dreams come from. Let's take a look at the next question. This is from Scott. What, if anything, does Swedenborg say about forgiveness? That's a good question because um, Swedenborg, even though he's talking about the depths of life and psychology and and as we showed last episode, where thoughts come from, all this stuff, he doesn't really break it down into neat uh, human interaction categories. Like, here's forgiveness. You know but it's it, we did a show about gratitude but we had to like pull from all different sources He doesn't have a chapter about right. it you know so what does he say? does he right. give kind insight a... into into forgiveness um, and if so what is that insight? I will start this time by saying he does give this internal sense of uh, when Jesus is asked how many times should I forgive and he says seventy times seven and our number shall we learn that that means all you know all times all like always and you know, right. that is part of it. Is part of the nature of it's not like forgiveness doesn't play a role it's part of the nature of god god is permanent forgiveness um he talks mm. about the nature of heaven and how angels are not interested in your flaws they're not interested in criticizing you for mistakes he says when angels look at somebody they they barely notice the bad things about them and focus on the good things to me that that is forgiveness um and and then uh, he, he talks about charity and that you can still be in charity, even if somebody's attacking you and you have to strike in self-defense or turn them over to a judge or something. If you nevertheless maintain the intention of becoming their friend when they come to their senses, then you're still in charity. That sounds like an intent to work with mm-hmm. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So those are f- they're all from different places, but those are a few thoughts I had on, on forgiveness. Does that spur anything else with you guys? It's-
2: the oh. thing that just quickly comes to mind is the looking for the good, you know. Yeah. Uh, Swedenborg talks about how the angels are always looking for the good. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that helps me when I feel like I have something that I'm holding on to some kind of resentment right. about another person. I try to flip it in my mind. Even let's, maybe a person let's try at to, Possibly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so focus on the good or look, look for the good. Yeah. Uh, instead of focusing on the problem. and that's sort of Not like, exactly forgiveness.
0: Well, that's sort of like the, but the we're looking at what is forgiveness. What are the building blocks of forgiveness because it's a complicated yeah. thing. Is forgiveness um, forgetting that somebody did something? Is it saying even though you did that, that's okay? What is forgiveness? So I think that yeah. we, what you're doing is investigating the root of it. So, hmm. Jonathan, do you have something? The, um,
1: the thing that I think Swedenborg talks the most about in connection with forgiveness off the top of my head is what you were mentioning, the God's forgiveness of us, which is just a constant blanket, you know, raining down on all of us all the time. So the question then becomes, how do we receive that forgiveness? Like the forgiveness, he talks a lot about how do you receive the Lord's forgiveness? And it's only when you change... You know, when you, with the Lord's help, you you change your behavior, you put aside that thing that you were doing. So the Lord is forgiving you constantly, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in a better state than you were. Uh, if that issue is still in there, okay. if you can lay that issue aside, then you can receive that forgiveness. You know, then you're in a different condition, and that's what he says the Bible means by the forgiveness of sins is when we behave differently. Then you get to receive that. So it's about our our reception more than whether the god is in a good mood today and felt like okay i'll overlook it just this once or something
0: right true christianity 56 translated by you mm. uh god cannot even look at us with a frown that's right if you search the word frown in in swedenborg's <laughs> writing that's the only i think that's the only place it comes <laughs> so i mean that that speaks of for even if there needs like okay you got to live differently I think when we think of forgiveness, we think of are you still mad? You know, and God, right. mm-hmm. even if you're doing harm to other people, which God is going to feel even more than the people who receiving that harm or, or doing harm to yourself, which God is going to feel even more than you do. Still, no, I'm not mad about that. All I want to do is help you out. So
1: yeah, Chelsea,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah,
3: definitely. Me. Yeah, I love. Um, I guess Swedenborg refers to the Lord based in Scripture, but that the Lord is mercy itself and forgiveness itself, like you were saying, and that uh, it brings to mind Brene Brown. Maybe people listening have listened to her talks. She's a shame researcher and she distinguishes between guilt and shame. You know, shame is this feeling that we just are wrong, you know, or like the things that we do that are harmful or were messed up mistakes or whatever, are because there's just some core flaw in ourselves or something. Okay, And that that's sort of like a destructive, just paralyzing, you know, state to be in, but to be guilty of something is to say, okay, I did something wrong, but that's not who I am, I can do something else. So there's less I mean, I think we I think we all have a lot of baggage around the word guilt, but in that framework, guilt is less baggagey than shame. shame is kinda mm-hmm. like, well, you're just sort of stuck, you've got this right. thing roped around your neck and you're never gonna get rid well, of that, it.
0: Well that that sounds like an appropriate response is yeah the guilt that you're describing there is like, if I do something wrong, I should feel, okay, I got to correct this, but not this lingering, uncorrectable.
3: And that's, that's sort of the issue that I guess I feel some people struggle with forgiveness for themselves. Like I know people need to work on, okay, needing to think of others with forgiveness or whatever. But I think there's a lot of like backlogging that happens with people where they maybe really do feel, you know, they see that the way that they were acting before or whatever isn't, wasn't great. They want to change, but then they have this sense of shame about it or thinking that God would hold that against them or whatever, you know, it's like, nope, the forgiveness, you know, like you you were just saying, the forgiveness is just right there. As soon as we're willing to just, all right, I'm going to live differently, you know, like Mm -hmm. um, Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery, you know, just sort of like, no, go your way, just sin no more. And, um, you know, so that that mercy forgiveness is always right there
0: yeah there's, there's an interesting dynamic between between we again and again asserting that heaven and god um don't, don't hold the grudge um and that that it's actually hell that tries to make people feel guilty mm-hmm. about things, right, things right. Right. that evil evil spirits greatest pleasure is to find out what someone else has done wrong and make them feel guilty about it. So it probably the feelings of guilt you're getting are from hell, but then there is this thing about conscience and then when you do something wrong, you know it. So I don't know exactly how to parse those out other than I would think something like the shame you're describing, this chronic debilitating right. condition, that's that's probably a, a hell thing, you know, just because of the, the nature of of how he's very clear that evil wants to seek out evil yeah. and condemn it and good just wants to look for good
3: there's some great definition of charity that Swedenborg says somewhere I think he's talking about charity and he just says like maybe he says people who are regenerated or something or people who have charity or something but he says they regret their faults every day try not to act from them you know and ask the Lord for help <laughs> like that's just like yeah. we, don't, we don't even really none of us you know we all have our issues and so it's just we're yeah. sort of like yeah every day it's like yep Still have that problem, but I'm just going to try not to act on that. And then the Lord's like, all right, yep, we can work with this.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I have two final thoughts. One is that it seems that in terms of forgiving other people, holding on to negative resentment against people um, seems to have spiritual consequences. And I'm thinking of... I think last time when we were talking here we talked about there was a woman who was mad at swedenborg and then from the other side yeah. she was trying to get him to cut himself with a knife right like, like that that obsession with him stayed mm-hmm. um and then he talks about other people that the resentment you hold on to people becomes clear and, and it people break out into fight. so it seems like if you internalize something negative about people that sticks around um, you know it's sometimes it's hard not to in very difficult situations but if we can let it go it's probably good to let it go Mm -hmm. um so that's thing number one and i don't remember thing number two i'll do i'll do thing number two
2: Uh, thing (laughs) number two was the teaching that uh the lord doesn't allow anything to happen unless something good can come of it right and of course there's lots of different levels of being offended or hurt by other people but again it's a game i try to play about whatever i'm resenting in somebody else what what good even if it's some awareness in my own mind or something what good came from what seems like a bad experience yeah what is the good that might be hanging around the corners if i look yeah. for it um
0: and this was not going to be my second one but maybe think of it. Uh, in in the bible you got uh you meant it for evil but god meant it for good mm. i will you say that phrase when i feel like i'm trying to be pushed into some kind of resentment about that or something or like Mm. this person did this to you um for some reason that has a lot of power um Mm. the idea that that, because it it refocuses the mind on rather than it's this um drama between people it's this is the divine is operating through this and it makes it it takes away the uh, i was victimized which really makes it hard to forgive because then you feel like you lost power um Mm -hmm. but you that's been a good one for me in that Mm. All right, let's go to the next um, thingy. Sean, how do you (laughs) feel about reforming evil or bad spirits? Um, Yeah, a lot of people talk about, um, a lot of people who report vivid experiences with negative entities will talk Mm. about, I was able to walk them into the light or Mm. I was able to show them where they were or, or that they were somehow tricked and then I set them straight or that kind of thing. Um so you know what do we want to say about that? I would just kick it off by saying that, according to Swedenborg, angels would gladly trade places with any evil spirit um uh, if it meant that spirit could come into heaven, uh, even though it's not always like that but yeah
1: one of um Swedenborg's most sort of merciful or beautiful teachings to me is the idea that after we die we are received by the highest angels you start out i picture it being like a pinball machine in the sense that you start out at the top Mm -hmm. you don't start at the bottom and try to fight your way up you know or up a level oh no i'm stuck down here everybody starts out at the top and the only reason you leave the top is if you just can't bear it then you go to the next level down if you can't bear that, you go to the next level. So it's like a pinball machine, you seek your own level through there. And even when people, even if people aren't ready to be with the higher or lower angels yet, oh, uh, and they seek their own level, they go back down to some place in the world of spirits, there's still, uh, every um, effort is made to turn people around, you know, even people who seem hopeless or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there, there's efforts, there's patience. You know, it really is. I mean, the, the, the scripture says, "I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked." Therefore, turn and live. Yeah, I really think that's true. That God, it's not a condemning machine; it's a reforming yeah. machine. And you really mm-hmm. got to fight to avoid the traction of that thing that wants to purify, that wants to take us to a better, better level. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts.
2: I love the the line somewhere in Swedenborg that says spirits just end up where they can breathe Mm -hmm. Um, it just sounds so like it I guess it'll be a process to find the place we can breathe but it feels so forgiving or so so gentle or something like that so um, and that another thought is that um, It talks about how when we lose our bodies, we lose so much of the cares of this world, Mm. the the stuff that is required to just make it through this life on Earth. And when that drops away, I mean, it's a little bit um, some of each because Swedenborg talks about how our life follows us and and we have the same life. But he also talks about when the cares of this world drop away, then your spirit is in a new place, um, able perhaps to see things for the first time in a real mm-hmm. way and to make different choices or you know to be clearer mm-hmm. about what our motivations are so there's room for upward motion there <laughs>
0: yeah. and with with um, where you go to where you can breathe we did an episode that's called the good thing about hell um, and if you look that up just in case it's, it's good to get the sense of Swedenborg's description of the state of evil or bad spirits Uh, That where they the the condition that they're in the the location they're in in the in the afterlife is the one that allows them The happiest possible life that they can have while loving the things that they love so I feel like that's an important part of it um, Mm -hmm. is that uh, It's not like um, yeah, you're receiving punishment. It's your okay This is the this is the best we can possibly give you uh, to give you as much happiness as Mm. as you can have in the condition that, that you're choosing at this point so
1: There's a scripture that talks about the valley of decision. It says it a couple of times. It's in the Old Testament, the valley of decision. Multitudes in the valley of decision. I think of that area where we go, the world of spirits that Swedenborg talks about after we die, is the valley of decision. He describes it as looking like a valley in in the other world because the heavens are the mountains and the hells are down beneath and stuff like that. And uh, so there's so many people there, and there are all these efforts being made to to lift people up, to turn them around, or, or uh, and, and in that valley of decision, some people decide to go down. You know, They but you got to be determined. Yeah, I mean, you've really got to put your heart into it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Zeke, if our thoughts are a result of spirits when we are in this world, where do our thoughts come from when we are in the spirit world? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's an awesome question. That is a good so question. So last right week there. we did a show. That's called Where Thoughts Come From, where Swedenborg reports that his thoughts were coming, were, were being influenced by the spiritual world. So, hey, once we're in the spiritual world, what's the underlying mechanism of thought? Educate me.
3: Yes. <laughs> well, I guess one Go. little anecdotal thought is that there there's that one great quote that we came across once, I think, for a show that just talked about Swedenborg having a... Oh, there was like a great word that he used to describe how sort of like irritated he was at first when he just realized how public all of his thoughts were (laughs) in the spiritual world, like that it took some getting used to that. There's just such a, you know, so it just seems like there's such a, there's a balance between just total sharing of thoughts and yet like, or it seems like our life in this world is really about us getting clear about who we are and what we want to think, you know, so that that sort of like that sense of self, that owning part of us that says, this is me gets to just keep moving around in the spiritual world as far as like getting good at deciding this is who I want to be. And yet that thought or that feeling that we're taking on as our own isn't really us. We know it's just ultimately, if it's good, it's just love and wisdom, you know, from the Lord or whatever. So it's such a shared, we're all Mm -hmm. just getting to sort of identify with the parts of the Lord, I guess that we resonate with or something. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It makes me think partly about, um, Equilibrium, and also about the you know at the same time that the Lord is showering out. a picture like the sun, you know, there are these particles that just come shooting out of the sun at these tremendous speeds, and and um, the Lord is constantly showering things down on everybody in both worlds, and and um, so thoughts, you know, and so Swedenborg says that it will flow down into the highest angels, it'll flow through them into the Middle angels, flow through right. them into the lower angels, right. flow through them right. into the world of spirits. It'll flow down into hell. It'll get turned upside down by hell. And then it'll flow from both of those places into the human mind. So thoughts are still cascading. You know, when you move up a line, you're still getting that cascade. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, and um, equilibrium, a lot of the time while we're in this world, we're sort of like that old picture of an angel on one shoulder and a devil on another. You, uh, you're, you have good and bad influences you have angels and evil spirits with you who are pulling you in either direction uh, but after we die if we choose we we roll up and so if you're in the middle heaven the higher angels are bringing you up and the lower angels are actually bringing it down their advice is not as good you know what I mean yeah. so you still have a kind of equilibrium oh, between these things but It's a softer So so thoughts are coming from both sides and they're flowing and as we talked about in that show Uh, before, you know, there are myriads of uh, spirits and angels involved in every thought that we have, so it must be amazing if you can sort of see it visually or whatever, that it's cascading through this system like you know billions of neurons firing yeah Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, all that all thought all consciousness is this collective project by the entire human race that's being powered by divine love and wisdom as you're saying that we are actually we're little synaptic connections each one of Mm -hmm. us in this giant Mm -hmm. brain Mm -hmm. of consciousness that we're not isolated we're we're part of it and we're involved in the, the thoughts of others and it's it's a it's a weird sounding system at first but then it becomes this grand kind of inspiring um collective and uh I would add that we're already in the spiritual world i mean we we have the physical body but the thinking part of us is already in the spiritual world so it does change locations uh, but you know especially initially when you're when you're in the world of spirits spiritual world world of spirits world of spirits is that first area you have a lot of the same kind of thinking that you they used to have you even seek out the societies that you were thinking from in the world so it's a gradual Mm -hmm. shift away from that so
1: When, when Swedenborg describes having the death process he specifically talks about how his thought was shut down Yep, And it's very, I think that switchover, I, I like the question. I think it's a very perceptive question. And uh, I think there is a switchover that we go through where you're off the other system. Yep. You know, and you mm. come through. So there is mm. a little sort of mm. switch. It doesn't take long, but there is sort of a, oh, you shut down this mm. stuff. And then the spirits think you've died. And so, okay, move on to the next person or something. And, right. you know, you're in, you're in a different, it is different.
0: For anyone who's interested, we just taped an episode called How Angels Take Care of Us When We Die, where we go in detail through Swedenborg's mm-hmm. description of the death process and that very switch mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, all right, great questions. Seems
1: like you've had a show about everything. Yeah, <laughs> we're
0: trying to make us obsolete. <laughs> we just, like, you will not get a live person when you call. We will just refer you to the next More program. The show. That saves we will refer money. you to an episode. That's right, that. that's right. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the next question. Uh, Josh andator one. Do those who move away from heaven to hell know that they're in hell? <clears throat> yeah. I would say, usually not. What do you guys think? What does what Swedenborg say? Oh, right, the they're
3: given, um, like they can, uh, they're given to see. what does he even call it the light of hell? But anyway, like that, this they get to live according to their fantasies, and they can see themselves as something that they're not. But then it's when the light of heaven shines in, then they see it for what it really is and it can get really, it can freak them out a little bit, but then it goes back to their, you know, that's all within providence of whether that happens or Swedenborg getting shown something. But so it seems like they can, they can exist in a happy place in what is, I always, I don't know if I would put it in these terms, but it is sort of like their heaven, you know, it's just where they find their happiness. Right. And so. so
0: I was just reading in divine providence Um, he talks about the will and the understanding or the the emotional part of us and the intellectual part of us and he says that the will is what matters. I mean your motivations, your feelings, that's what matters in terms of whether you're in heaven or hell. It's not really the intellect Uh, and he says that the reason why he can meet a lot of people who are in hell who don't even believe there's life after death um, is because even if you are convinced intellectually this is how it is. If mm. that's not what you want to have be the truth, he mm. says that the, the will um, uh, c- completely controls the understanding at length. That it, if you want something, you will eventually, if you're convinced for a little while, you will you will push out everything that doesn't fit with what you love. He actually, the phrase he uses is that the will will remove anything it did not put there in the intellect. <laughs> mm. So you, can, Swedenborg does describe a lot of times People in hell being shown, look, this is how it really is. This is how, and they even for a moment acknowledge it. But once they get back to where they are, they push it out. And it's sort of like somebody who has some kind of mystical experience, but then when they get back into the regular, it, well, that was probably just this. It's probably nothing. It, it's it's everybody. That's that's the essence of freedom. Is that the the intellect can almost be forced because he talks about people being convinced so that they had to admit, oh, this is really what's true, but. You, nobody can be forced to feel a certain way. So when you get back into your own house with your own friends, your own social circles, your own books, whatever it is, you find a way to say, "No, nah, that none of that was all just tricks anyway. That wasn't real."
1: Everybody is um, informed, like everybody's everybody's told, and they and they get it. Like at at a at a certain mm-hmm. level, as you say, when the mind is lifted up, yep, you know, if that's the choice they've made, it's shown to them they get it, you know, I think I yeah. think the angels are pretty careful about like it's important that you realize what you know, what you're choosing yep. here, or whatever. So it's it's explained and everything while they're lifted up exactly as, as both of you were saying. But um but then when you go down into yourself, you blame God, you blame the angels, it was the wrong you know, and and you know, you're mad about it and uh, but the fact is that you were that you were told and it was a choice. Um uh but but because of their nature they don't wanna See it that way, and it's very much like the light of heaven, as you were saying, Chelsea. That the um, uh, the light of heaven shows the truth of the situation, so they see the truth of the situation. Uh, The human mind is uh, can it can never be deprived of the ability of the intellect to rise up into a higher light and see things. So Swedenborg's talking to people and calling on their higher nature and lifting them up all the time and telling them things, and then they see it. And and they realize, oh, I was a fool. And people who don't believe in life after death are told, don't you remember that angel who told you you're dead now and all that stuff? And they go, oh yeah, you know, it's it's still in there somewhere. But as you say, when you know, and as you say, when they go back down, from the, the consciousness is gone. Yeah. And so, in hell, I don't think they're in hell. I I, I think they they're think just, something else about. We're
0: it, just you know? living in whatever city we're in. Whatever it is. Because it would be painful. Uh, it wouldn't be. Conducive to happiness. If you, no. if, if the love is of evil things, having truths in there causes friction and mm-hmm. misery and guilt, and uh, not in a helpful way. Right. So it's all. It's all an act of, of love, in that way. Car do you have any thoughts? Okay, great. Um, so we we will not uh, force you to go against your will here. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Do we? Let's uh, let's move on to the next question, Antoinette. The Bible says that the dead know nothing, and refer to dead as sleeping. So, if this is the dead know nothing, how can there be spirits watching over us? Yes. And um, I think that we have answers to that. Um, did anyone want to comment on that particular scripture? Yeah. So, what, so, let me set this. Let me set this. The emotional tone here. Uh, it's very clear in the Bible: the dead don't know anything. So, how can they do all these things we're talking about? Educate people show people things that they don't know anything. And some people take that to mean they're not even conscious. So how are you guys going to just go against what's in the Bible like this?
1: Well, you for, to me, you've got one passage in the Bible. You've got another passage in the Bible. So you've got, I think it's in Ecclesiastes where it says, this that the dead know nothing. Uh, you've got Jesus himself saying on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And he doesn't say... To the thief, yeah. To, yeah, to the thief. And He said, he doesn't say you'll lapse into an unconsciousness or you won't know anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, you there'll be a you, there'll be a me, we'll be together. You and I are going to be together in paradise, uh, which does not suggest that there's a discontinuity when scripture also says that God is not God of the dead but of the living, you know, right. for all live to him. And, and there are actually many scriptures that suggests an ongoing consciousness the fact that angels are so smart not about what not only about what's going on in heaven but also about who's pregnant in this world and who's related to who and what's happening and all all kinds of things. and they have facebook <laughs> way before we did way before we did way before we did they 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 they're all over it they know when it's someone's
0: birthday because that they, they they know that's right they say,
1: oh it's 6 months now and, yeah. you know they right they they know the whole thing um, So what Scripture means, so the question is, what does it mean when Scripture says that the dead know nothing? I think what it means is the dead means spiritually dead. We were just talking about this in the last question. Spiritually dead. Yeah. And their knowing nothing means they know nothing of truth. Uh, just like when Jesus says without me you can do nothing it doesn't mean oh you can't get out of bed it means you can do nothing of good you know yeah. uh, like often there's a little you know there's an implied extra phrase in there you know so the, the spiritually dead don't aren't willing to receive the truth they, they aren't aware of it and so on so you'll see that kind of thing sometimes particularly in the in the Old Testament that suggestion is not made in the New Testament And uh, I think if you look at the correspondences in the Bible, there's always uh, something there. And when you set it even just literally against other passages, uh, you know, that I've come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. How does that fit with? Oh, I'm dead, and now I have no life. You know. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the whole story of Jesus? How did Jesus come back? How was he so amazing? If the dead know nothing, what was Jesus doing, walking around knowing things, yeah. appearing behind closed doors, knowing that Thomas had said something about the, you know, doubting and all that? You know, he immediately, like he knows more now that he's dead. Right. So, so, uh, yeah. One one passage can sound that way, and maybe there's two or three of them, but. But uh, there's a wealth of passages that suggest a a higher consciousness.
0: And the reason I was saying we were just talking about this is, you know, if you've seen some of our episodes, watch our episode, What the Bible Is, which gives you a breakdown of correspondential reading of Scripture, which is what Swedenborg's whole worldview was based on. the words are parables. So the dead know nothing. Death, there's there's not death in the way that we think of death, like the right. cessation of consciousness. That was a, the you know the principal thing Swedenborg discovered when he first started having these experiences. So death doesn't mean that. But there's all this death mentioned in the Bible. What is it? Why is death such a big deal if it's a, an illusion anyway? It's just the casting off the material.
1: It speaks about a second death. The second death. Yeah. Like
0: what, how do you get to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? Yeah, there, I must. It's a contradiction of terms. But death is the condition of, of hell. The death is that everything good and true is gone. And we were just talking in the previous question about how you have people who love what's evil and they don't even know that, that they're dead. Mm-hmm. You know? like they don't even know that there's a life after death. Or that they're, so while they have a lot of ideas in mind that allow them to navigate their lives and, and know who's doing what and how they can get ahead of whoever, there's a lot of stuff in there. You don't know the basics. Uh, of with the reality of life, so the dead know nothing. That's what I take that to mean, which is just what you were saying. But it just yeah. struck me, right, right, like, right. you that's were just striking. answering that in the previous question,
1: right, right. Anyway, that's um, sweet.
3: Yeah, I think that the it it is interesting because it's one that people quote a lot. That passage from Ecclesiastes, and um, if you do, there really is just way more over like overwhelming number of passages that talk about spirits and angels in the Word. So that, you know, Elijah sees those angels and, you know, there's people's spirits are being brought to their ancestors, right? Or something, you know, yeah. like it's just Samuel always. Samuel appears yeah, after he's died. and right. Jesus there's the lots of people Samurai. are, you know, right. All the angels that come and talk to people. I guess that's what partly is, is that once you have this idea that angels are this separate class of beings that aren't just actually pe- good people who have moved on to the other world, you can start to think, oh, wait, that's, this whole other you sort of have to turn your mind off to all of that mentioning in the bible yeah if you're just saying oh you know like Mm -hmm. if you don't have your concept Mm -hmm. or if you're not willing to even consider that actually all those angels and spirits i mean even though in the word there's stories where people are dying and their spirits are coming back and talking specifically so even so there's just way more overwhelming evidence for spirits and angels than than this idea of the dead know nothing and i was thinking about death versus life in terms of, um, like, charity, like the love part mm-hmm. of things, you know? you. I mean, we can think about death as, like, not having any goodness or truth, but I wonder if it has more to do with the love side of things, that mm-hmm. if you don't have any love, you really can't know anything, you know, because mm. love is really what guides truth and that kind of thing, and then, you Holds know... it's your
1: memories and all that, like, that love is what... And when people are
3: asking... How do I get everlasting life? Jesus is always saying, live by the Ten Commandments, do good, you know, love your neighbor. what life really means is to live a life of love mm-hmm. and so death would be to mm. not do that
1: right why would Scripture mention everlasting life so many times if there was no everlasting life right. <laughs> you know why why would it even hold that? carrot out in front of sure, you th- if there's no such thing, you know. Or if you have to wait for just it for a temporary life or, it. or you know, something like that. And why would it
0: juxtapose it? Because the, the traditional view is that there's heaven and hell. You're conscious in both of them, so aren't you alive in both of them? So why are they asking about eternal life? Right, it's everybody's
1: like this, already gonna get it. Yeah, this is so this what is, is, is that?
0: A, no, it's a it's a condition of life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very good question. Good question.
0: Okay. Let's move on. we got time for a couple more here. Ella, does Swedenborg mention Mary, mother of Jesus? Answer is yes. What's the passage? Where is it? What's she doing? Is it spiritual experiences?
2: I believe it is in there. Okay.
0: It
1: shows up in true Christianity, too. Okay.
0: So, I'll start. Swedenborg says that he met Mary in the other life. She was a nice person, and didn't want people to think of her as uh, better than anyone else or in some kind of special category. She now thinks of Jesus, uh, even though she played that role in his physical life, she thinks of him as God like everybody else does. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So that's offensive. (laughs) Let's let's explore it a little bit more, right? Yes.
1: It gets worse. Okay.
0: (laughs) So... So, I mean, that, which is, which is, which is, is, makes some emotional sense. But then again, there's a lot of people who venerate Mary in in a very positive way. And just Mm -hmm. that, that enhances their spirituality. People have encounters with her. So, how do we, how do we rectify this whole thing?
1: Yeah, that's, it's a really challenging one. Um, I've thought about the fact that um, Swedenborg emphasizes the fact that, like, that Jesus was both divine and human. And so, from his standpoint, he feels very strongly that that Jesus had a divine father and a human mother, and so the mother was supplying the human part, and that was the part that Jesus was going to uh, transform, even to the point where it disappears from the tomb. You know, even the flesh itself and everything right. gets transformed. Uh, so, there both seems like uh, in the in the biblical story that it's important that Mary be a a, uh, as Sweetmore describes it that she be a, a source of not only humanity but the sort of dark side of human beings there's there's, you know a, a heredity that he gets from her from the whole chain going back in time that, everybody gets, that everybody, everybody gets from everybody gets from every parent and that's just part of the condition show of human
0: why Jesus was born because huh. I believe we talk a little bit about the the Mary concept and the hereditary or the uh,
3: infinite and new for the Hereditary evil.
0: Right.
1: Infinite right. you for hereditary evil. And uh, at the same time, <laughs> it's so important in the in the biblical story that Mary was a good person. You know, it was important that Elizabeth right. and Zacharias, yeah. Mary, Joseph, they were all good people. That's right. And they protected him from being killed by Herod. And, and so she had to be good. So she needed to have like hereditary evil to give him, but also be so good. That hell couldn't work through her to destroy Jesus while he was young, or something like that. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. So she serves this protective function that, that Swedenborg doesn't talk about, or not, you know, in that in that same way. And yet she's obviously her goodness. I mean, the Magnificat and all that. You know, uh, yeah. She uh, Joseph is asleep to see the angel. She's wide awake. The angel just walks in like she seems yeah. more <laughs> spiritual to me. You know, right. mm-hmm. and and um, mm-hmm. uh, and she you know, talks back and forth, how is this going to work out and everything with the angel and understanding, and she ponders all these things in her heart mm-hmm. and so on, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she's an excellent sort of person, I think, uh, and yet from Swedenborg's standpoint, she also has to be this avenue of humanity and this dark side of it. So, yep. you know, mm-hmm. so it's she's a, an interesting character. Job description. <clears throat> yeah, did you
3: have something oh. <laughs> oh. I didn't mean to be, like, coughing to get attention. Oh, so, funny. Sounds
0: like Chelsea has something to say again. <laughs>
3: um, I just had this like, oh, these two points go together in my mind that, you know, I think what Swedenborg says that I think, you know, sort of a lot of Christianity, a lot of Christianity has put Mary up on this pedestal of like holiness, you know. Right. And so as if she's something superhuman, you know, she wasn't yeah, just no human, but yeah, right. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Immaculate. Yes, right. And, but it's so interesting how in the, when they bring Jesus to the temple, Simeon says to Mary, a sword that will pierce your own soul also, and reveals the thoughts of many hearts like that, this, Mm. I had never thought about how that line, how he's saying that to Mary is kind of like, Jesus is going to do something to the whole human race, including Mary that you know mm. only God can do you really. know kind of puts us all mm. on the same level yeah, or else why would she need to have a sword piercing her soul and her thoughts revealed if And she was pure right. if she was yeah, just right, right. right. Mm. interesting yeah. mm.
0: so to avoid future lawsuits okay. if don't if you're going out there saying well I watched Swedenborg in life and they said that Mary was just a regular person so I'm going to go tell everyone that, that venerates her that that's stupid um that's not good because we don't know what's actually going on in the heart and mind. Swedenborg talks about somebody who is worship is like worshiping with some kind of figure, carved figure or something like that. And there are some, I think, Christian spirits around oh, that are like, that's idolatry, that's that. evil. That's idolatry. <clears throat> but he looks internally actually that the the devoutness that that person is gaining from that interaction mm. is actually much greater than the, the Christian spirits had that were around him. So. So, there's I do Something so beautiful yeah, like, in, the, in
1: the person's devotion. Yeah.
0: There can be, okay. so, so whatever people, there's some people who are getting, you know, are getting some kind of nothing much out of Mary, but some people may be getting this, like, something really real there. And mm-hmm. we don't know exactly how it works. So, you know. Not to know. mention
3: that, yeah, Christianity is in general a very male thing. And I think it's pretty cool that, you know, Mary gives this very female presence that you know mm. you can think of a mother you know you can have right. a hard time conceptualizing God as a woman or as a mother but even though he, God speaks of himself as a hen, mother hen and that kind of thing a lot of feminine language but so I can see that including Mary in this concept or something can be feeding a mm. you know a sort of
0: right. need that there's some providence yeah in the whole thing
1: yeah mm-hmm. I okay. love Mary <laughs> <laughs> she's great.
0: She rocks. All right, next, let's do one you more. the handmaiden of Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yoko Poe, do you think we have a choice in what type of angel we become, what community we will join by focusing on different things in our mm. lives, or do you think the Lord has a plan for all of us, or a mix of the two? Mm. I always quote mm. this, but uh, Forrest Gump, right? Both, both is happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. She, that's what she's asking because it's sort of the, the pinnacle of the movie, and it's like you know what what is it is it um or Jenny's saying this as she's mm. spoiler alert dying um, <laughs> before gone, if you haven't seen it and she says what what's happening I, I think it's her uh are you know are we being just pulled through life by destiny or are we making our own choices and he says I think both both is happening at the same time mm. um, so what is it though is it is it that if I if I focus on something am I changing what kind of angel
1: I am I, I think at birth we are given a nature, like I've seen it with my, with my children, with my grandchildren and everything, like right out of the womb. You're someone different, and you're different than anybody else. You're different than yeah. your siblings. That's amazing, and you, that's pre-choice. Like you didn't, choose, right. you know, you already, you, you come right into the world with a nature. And it's not that it's not negotiable or you can do things about it, but I think it, would, uh, uh, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. I do think there's there's something about the nature that's created, even though that by itself, Swedenborg says, is not going to go to heaven unless we make some choices. Um, so I think there's a part of it that the Lord does shape. But I don't think, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and talking to some friends about it. I, I don't actually think the Lord has... A plan for us like sitting there sort of well I was hoping you were going to turn out a little more like this or, yeah. you know if you're going to play so, football like uh, I did yeah right <laughs> <laughs> when I was your age yeah the um, the uh, the main choice I think that we have so we have a certain nature but one way that I've pictured it is sounds very strange and, and it is even stranger than it sounds The um, but I picture on. sort of a column and there that's our column uh and so that's sort of set we ha- we have a certain column we occupy a certain spiritual space but we have a choice of three different kinds of evil and three different kinds of good that we can be within that and you open to the lowest kind of good by being willing to modify your behavior you open to the second kind of good by being able to letting sort of the lord into your thoughts into the level of your thinking And you in the highest level by letting the Lord into your heart, you know, reforming at the level of the heart. And then there's three versions also about just actions and thoughts and and will being evil on on the other side. And so in terms of your focus and so on, I think you do have that choice. I think there's sort of six yous that you can be, and you choose about your comfort level. Like, whoa, I don't think I'm going any farther with this process. You know, like this is about as much as I can take whereas someone else would say no I think Swedenborg sort of I'm going for it I'm all in you know yeah. and, and um,
0: so vertical movement rather than horizontal
1: yes mm. I think so and so there's some things that are determined uh, because to make up a human nature like who could do it? who could create mm-hmm. their own nature you know, it's beyond our pay grade mm. to do that uh, but, I, but then I think there are choices in there so particularly the focusing on like opening up your heart or being willing to go on that path is the highest Kind of path.
0: Great. Other thoughts?
3: Yeah, Swedenborg talks about in one of our shows. Maybe spiritual light. We talk about how angels are like prisms, or like they make their own rainbows. Like we're all sort of our like our yeah, like our sense of self is like a rainbow. But this idea that like whatever we are, we can be gradations of super super cloudy and opaque, or sort of like the higher end, is getting more and more clear to the point that we just let the Lord's love and wisdom through us, and then it creates this very unique rainbow, I guess. So like, it's just interesting to think about how, obviously, the Lord created what we are, but then we get to open ourselves, make ourselves more and more translucent, and then whatever the love and wisdom does through us, is that was up to the Lord anyway from the get-go in a way so similar to what you said but like Swedenborg does say that when we you know in the spiritual world we can grow infinitely in love and wisdom you know like it's just a we can just keep going obviously you know and so in that way even though we are a very unique will and understanding that the Lord created that within that container there's this infinite potential for growth yeah. But so that me I mean, personalities are wild, you know? And yeah. and when you've got the whole shared memory thing going on mm. in the spiritual world. Right, yeah. like, mm. Maybe you could have a day where you're something that you're not. Right. Mm. <laughs>
1: I, can, I wanted to just alter my previous I wanna modify my previous Okay, that's five dollars. Answer. Okay. Reformation. That's that's cheap. Mm. Um well, there's a partnership with the Lord, and I think the, the Lord waits to see what we'll choose. I do think we have a—like, I think there could be—you know, if you did the movie or something and there were six you's I think the, 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 each of you would turn out—might turn out differently. You know, I think we do have a oh, lot right. of choice. So that you're like, do you have a choice about which community you join or so on? It's about what stirs your heart, but we do get to choose sort of like, I'm moving in this direction. I really love this right now or— I, I like this. I don't like that, and and you know. So anyway, mm. okay. So I think there's more freedom than my stupid column thing. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I'll, I'll come into that in a second. Okay.
2: I forget where in scripture it comes from, but there's a beautiful quote about the Lord saying, um, "I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope." I love that. Um, it's so comforting when you're feeling a little lost, um, and he. According to Swedenborg, the Lord creates us all for the highest heaven, mm-hmm. and then we have the the the, the power mm-hmm. to opt out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I think he does have a plan. He ha- his plan is that he loves us and he wants us to experience love, and then it's that same thing about opting out of the in the, in the pinball machine. You just you go mm-hmm. where you can breathe and
0: yeah. So, hmm. I want to... Um say a few words in defense of stupid column. That, that you were talking about. <laughs> Thank well you. and this wraps back around just like, like pretend we're doing our comedy special right now and we reference the first joke again, you know, how they do that. This wraps back around to the first comment of should we try to get particular pleasures while we're here on Earth? You mm. know, because I find the most comfort in the idea that we there's one place for us and it's just about how much of it we unlock you know um, like there are video games where if you beat it that's one thing but if you beat it at, at X speed you unlock this photo gallery or your collect- there's more and more unlockables um, because otherwise so right I, I play the guitar but I haven't been playing it recently being a guitar player is a cool thing. Like, you're like a cool guy. If, if I don't play it enough here, will I not have that angelic guitar player ethos? You know, am I, am I, it's just sort of like... It's so coveted. It's so, yeah. It's sort of like, are there places in this world I'm never going to get to see? It's like, do, yeah. I, do I need to right now be right. like thinking, whoa, what's all the coolest stuff that you can be? Do I need to somehow make sure I'm in there so that then I can be this thing? But if there's if there's just one place for you which Woodborg says nobody can be in any place but their own that was also in Divine Providence. Mm-hmm. yes that that's right mm-hmm. that's true nobody can be in any place but their own what does that mean <clears throat> all I know is when I think about I don't have when I think about oh I need to m- make myself the best I can be or whether I choose to go play sports or play music that will change who I am that stresses me out when I think about there's one place and the more that we open up to God. The more we are there, that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I,
1: th- I think there's true freedom. Like you know, and so I guess what I object to about the idea of a, a plan. And Kara got me with that scriptural reference. That, that's true. <laughs> the, the Lord does have a plan. The uh, but I think His plan is pretty open ended. You know, it's mm-hmm. like peace. It's love. It's yeah. a great outcome. You know, same it's for planned, everybody. Right? You know, mm-hmm. that's His plan. And uh, but within that, there's a lot of freedom. Uh, it's not like, oh, you should have turned right. Oh no, I was hoping you were gonna. Oh darn it! You know, mm-hmm. he, he's not sort of fretting about. You know, he's delighted sure. when we say, "I went left." You know, he says, "Okay, left. Good. We'll do left." Right. You know, and and uh, I think he he works a lot with our hmm. freedom when we build something together. We build a partnership together.
3: There's a great quote. That I'm not going to quote correctly. That is something like, the Lord. But it's a translation anyway, so right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. <laughs> unless you unless know. you know the Latin. like the Lord flows into, into us, or the Lord flows into each one of us into the, the very thing that makes it seem as though it were, of ourself or something. Like the Lord's life flows into us into. Our proprium, into our sense of self, sense of self, right, and so right, right. it's so he says mm-hmm. like it's the very thing. Oh, the very thing which the Lord animates is animates in a person is the thing that makes it seem as though it were of itself. Like that. Mm-hmm. So we're always receiving life from the Lord, mm-hmm. and there is no space between the Lord's life coming into us and us knowing that it was us all along. You know, and the Lord like never want that is never going away. Mm. And so somehow, although I think we have a hard time even conceiving of that with our. Our experience of life, you know, but that actually it is this both and you know, this paradox of the Lord is leading us, and yet it is constantly free choice, and yet it we couldn't be anything without the Lord, you know, just yeah. keeps and going back on itself. Free, he yeah. is
1: the free choice, He is the yeah, right, right, the free There are some great, yeah,
3: passages in Divine Providence about that.
0: Divine Providence rocks. Fitting to end with a paradox, right? Yes. We'll, leave it, we'll leave it hanging uh, as, as we've done. Everybody, thanks for watching. It was a lot of fun. Please like and subscribe. That uh, helps us out, helps you out, helps the whole world out. Uh, are we going to do the donation video? Um, all right. So, hey, listen, this is only made possible by the, the wonderful contributions you've all been making. And here's a little more about why we ask for donations and how we do our content.
3: We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins.
0: Boy, who narrated that thing? That was awesome. Uh, So what we want to say now is this was our last show in this space Mm -hmm. so we're going to make this big move to a bigger better space through which we will be able to better serve all of you guys out there by producing obscure Swedenborgian content and that takes time and space to to do so we're going to be gone for two mondays uh, while we're while we're making our technological transition our physical transition so you won't have monday shows then However, we have a huge backlog. We recommend perhaps watching these two shows. They're a little bit farther back. Uh, maybe you haven't seen them. Look in there. There's more than 100 of these shows, and there's all our short videos and everything. Get familiar with something you haven't, uh, and then we will be back. Uh, to, to, we'll give you on the second Monday a little update video of us moving into the space, but then... The third Monday, we'll be back with a vengeance. So
3: September 19th, I think, is that, that's that Monday 19th? that we'll have a have full, new and yeah. improved Swedenborg yeah. and live oh, show. Oh, man, it's going to be great.
0: It's going to be great, great, great. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your calendar. 8 <laughs> p.m. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. So great. thank you so much for hanging with us, and we will still be around answering comments and everything like that, so feel free to leave them. And we will see you then, and it's been awesome having all of you here in our last show here and it's been awesome having you online because we never could, we were just talking before the show, but if I told you four years ago that we would have a a Swedenborg question and answer show on the web, my thought would be no one's going to ask any questions and no one's going to be watching. So you've all proven us wrong and and you've you've asked these awesome questions and that makes a big difference to us. Thanks for, for making this happen. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bigger, better, faster, stronger than ever. Take it easy. (laughs)